Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I'm, I'm joining you. I'm with you. Are you riding too? Okay, sweet. All right, let's go. Best part of your day. Tell me your name first. Kayla. Kayla. Tell me the best part of your day. Spending time. Hey, aren't good friends such a good part of our life? What a gift from God to give us good friends. Best part of your day? Shooting people with pink ball guns, right? Yeah. Right on. How many of you, was that the best part of your day? Right? Okay. Okay. Very nice. How many of you, the best part of your day was in live person seeing the leaders get shot like that from the air cannon? That was pretty nice. Pretty nice. Okay. One more. Throw out one more for me. Um, you are Joshua? No. Uh, hold on. It starts with a B. Brandon. Okay. Brandon. Thank you. What's your best part of your day? Archery tag was the best part of your day. Nice. Nice. Good day. Sounds like you had a great... Okay. I'll take one more. I got a hand up. I can't... The sessions? Look at that, man. That's my man right there. I'm going to buy him a snowball later on. I got you. He said the sessions. He's, he's, uh, he's buttering up to me. That was nice. Nicely done. Well, let's get back to it. Well, speaking of the sessions, let's spend a few minutes to finish our time tonight in thinking about God's word. Can you believe the God of all creation wants to know you and wants to introduce himself to you? Can you believe the joy and privilege that is ours that we can know him and better off we can be known by him? He can know us. What a privilege that is. So we're going to continue our way through Isaiah 61 tonight, and we're going to look at the second little segment of that. If we could throw that up on the screen, Isaiah uh, 61, it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And this is the uh, phrase we're focusing on tonight. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom to the captives, freedom to the captives. Remember, Isaiah was a prophet of God thousands of years um, before Jesus Christ arrived on the scene. So he was, he was foretelling, bless you, my dear friend. May you be blessed in many languages with all those, whatever language you just spoke. All right. <clears throat> so Isaiah, he was actually saying, listen, something I'm saying right here, what I'm about to tell you in these verses, it's going to come true one day. He was giving a prophecy that would come true, and later this week, we're going to discover and see exactly where and when and how this came to pass, this came true. But tonight, we're focusing on uh, phrase two of five, and that is that we, he is proclaiming freedom for the captives. So somebody raise your hand real quick and tell me, a captive is what? Someone who is a, a slave, a servant, what else? A prisoner, best case scenario, prisoner. We're talking about a prisoner, okay? So... Um, freedom for someone is who is in bondage in some way, a prisoner. So the most important question we can ask ourselves tonight is, what are they a prisoner of? How are they or why are they enslaved? And this is what we're going to explore tonight. And so here's the question I want to ask you before we get too, too far down the road. This is a rhetorical question. That means you don't have to answer it out loud. I just want you to consider it in your thoughts. Maybe you can share this with one of your leaders later on. Are you most free... When you get to do whatever you want. I'll tell you what. Why don't you answer that question to someone next to you just for a minute. I'll give you 30 seconds. Are you most free when you get to do whatever you want? Is that when you're most free? It could be a yes or no answer. You could give uh, reasons to it. Tell the person next to you what you think. Are you the most free when you get to do whatever you want? Five more seconds. 
All right, I'll leave those answers to your conversations, meaning I'm not going to ask you to tell me right now. You can tell me later on what you think about this. But I want to challenge you with this thought. Do you believe that you are the most free when you get to do whatever you want? Because here's the statement that I want to make tonight. This is the big idea, okay? This is the major thought. If you take nothing else away, would you take this thought home with you, okay? The thought that I want to share with you tonight is this. The freedom that we desire is, is found in submitting all we are to Jesus Christ. The freedom that you and I deep down in our heart of hearts most desire and long for is found when we submit all that we are to Jesus Christ. If you want to be free, that's the path to your freedom, my friend. Um, how many of you re recognize or know the name of the artist Camilla Cabello? Camilla Cabello, it depends on how you, you, you say it, but Camilla Cabello, most of you remember that? Okay, about a year or so ago, she came out with a, a very popular song. It was like pretty high up on the Billboard 200s. It was called um, Never Be the Same. Do you remember this song? How many of y'all can sing this song? Right? Can you really? Just a chorus. You raise your hand. You threw it up. It was you, babe, and I'm a sucker for the way that you move. Remember that song? Right? Never be the same. Right? Yeah, something like that. So... So, yeah, that's my last concert ever, I promise, okay? So, Camille Cabello, she writes this song, Never Be the Same. It was huge. It was a big hit. And the whole theme of the song, okay, she describes this person. Now, this, she didn't say who this person was, but she just described this person. And the reason the song works is because you, you get the opportunity to plant whoever you want into the category of who you're singing this song to or who you're thinking about. And she basically said, the people, in, this person in her life, that she's addicted to, she said is like nicotine, heroin, morphine, like this person, all the drugs that you could take, like all the physical drugs that you might take and put into your body, she said, what this person is like all the best of those because I am like addicted to this person. I'm so drawn to this person. And I'll tell you why songs like this always ring in our minds and we, always, we like them so much because we feel that way about relationships. I'm convinced one of the most powerful things um, that exist in our hearts is we like to be liked. Man, there's not very many of us that would say, I don't, I don't care what other people think about me. So many of us have a, a mindset of, what do others think about me? But here's something I want to propose to you tonight, okay? As we're thinking about and exploring this idea of being free, free from some kind of bondage or slavery that we're in, here's what I want to propose to you tonight, Okay? Because I believe this is a search that each and every one of us, me, you are on. Maybe in your own way, but you're searching for this, okay? Our greatest desire is wrapped around this thought. Our greatest desire, I believe, the greatest desire of the human heart is to be fully known and fully loved. If I would have asked you that question to say, what do you think the greatest desire of our heart is, you might have said to be loved. I mean, just about 98.8% .8 of every song ever written is about one subject, right? Love. Somebody loving me or me loving somebody else or it not working out or working out perfect and they live happily ever after. I mean, this is like Disneyland 101, right? If you, if you know a good Disney story, it always works out where they live happily ever after because love works out. Because the, and the reason why somewhere deep down in the, in, the, in the recesses of our heart, why Disney stories like still kind of work in our minds is because we want to be loved. We love to be loved. But I want to I push that just a step further for you to say it's not just love that we want. Our greatest desire of our hearts is not just to be loved. The greatest desire of our hearts is to be fully known 
and still loved. Would you think about that for a moment with me? Because here's, here's my proposal. A lot of people fake love you and me. A lot of people propose and pretend and say that they love you until they get what they want from you, and then they steal that away, and then they go on their way happy as they were before. There was no love that they offered to you in the first place. They said, I want you, and I want you for something that will make me happier and more satisfied. But as soon as they get what they want, they are gone. But here's what you and I really want in the deepest recesses of our, our hearts, okay? I want, I want to have the risk of pouring out exactly who I am to someone and them knowing all of the dirty, ugly, disappointing sad, depressed, fearful parts of my heart and life, I want them to know all of it and still be willing to love me. And that's hard to find. In the world that we live in, that kind of love is hard to find. And I believe that is the deepest desire of the human heart is to be fully known. Someone know everything about you and still love you. To know and experience this kind of love, I believe, my friend, I believe that's the freedom that we would want to have. If, if the Bible speaks in Isaiah 61 to say we are captives, like we're enslaved to something, we are prisoners to something, I believe we are prisoners to the sin and isolation of our hearts that keeps us from meaningful, full, lasting, loving relationships that we were designed and meant to have. And I'm here to propose one thing to you, that that, all, that relationship is being offered to you through God's word and God's truth. God offers you the relationship that your heart deeply desires and longs for. So if Isaiah 61 said, we are offering freedom to those who are in slavery, let's just take a couple quick thoughts, maybe three altogether. The first two are the longest, and the third one is really, really short. Three quick thoughts to think about this. What is true freedom? All right, so here's the first thought. Freedom is found through life in Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that. I believe that because I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've watched it in other people. I've seen it in my own heart, and I've read it from God's word, and I have known the freedom that God offers through life in Jesus Christ. This is, uh, we're going to track a passage of scripture that's about four verses long, and I believe it would be really good and best suited if I could just offer to read that to you. It's really a short paragraph um, four verses, and here's what it says. This is um, Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Listen to the theme of a person like you and me going from slavery to, to freedom, from captivity to being let loose from those bonds. Listen to what Isaiah, or excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14 says. It says this, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Meaning that used to be what mastered you. Sin doesn't have to master you anymore. You don't have to be a slave to it anymore. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Old master, sin, death, destruction, disappointment. New master, Jesus Christ, who gives life, hope, love, and he knows all that you are and still loves you. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Jesus Christ. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Reign means don't let it be the master. Don't let sin have control of you. You don't have to have, let sin control your life. 
Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies so you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, meaning you're not a tool in the hand of the devil. You're not a tool in the hand of sin. You're not some kind of um, object for the pleasure of Satan and his, and his, uh, his minions. You are designed to be a tool and a treasure and a trophy in the hands of God for his glory and for your good. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death, bondage to sin, to life, bondage and connection to Jesus Christ. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness because sin shall no longer be your master. That's the issue here. Who masters you? Who masters your life? And here's what the Apostle Paul, by the, God, the Holy Spirit of God, was saying in the Word of God in Romans chapter 6, he was reiterating a theme that Isaiah, thousands of years earlier, brought up. And he said, I am proclaiming there's a way for people who are in bondage to be free, people who are enslaved to sin and enslaved to passions of this world to be set free from that. And Paul's saying, I'm offering it to you. It's available to you. It can be yours. That freedom can be yours. I got a friend named Jacob <clears throat> back at home. And I've known Jacob for a little while. He's a younger guy. He's probably about the age of, of your, the counselor leaders in here. Okay, how many, how many of you have ever played the video game Call of Duty? Or at least you know what it is, right? Okay, so some of you played it. A lot of you played it. Some, at least many of you know what it is, okay? So Call of Duty is a war game. It's been out for a long time. Jacob, okay, not currently, but Jacob, probably about a year before I met him, which was about two years ago, so three years ago we're talking, Jacob was ranked number eight in the world <laughs> in Call of Duty. He was the number eight player on Call of Duty in the world, which means like he, he had accomplished um, the game and mastered it at such a level to where, I don't know exactly how the rankings work, but he was number eight in the world, okay? This guy was a gamer, I mean, and that's all he did. Jacob was a homeschooler, okay, and he didn't really do his school, right? So if you're a homeschooler, do your school, okay? Don't mess around. Jacob, he would sit around and play Call of Duty every single day. When a new version of Call of Duty would come out, he would be at the store at midnight, at midnight to get the, the game, bring it home, and he told me within 48 hours, he would have, he would have beat the game within, within two days. And after he beat the game within two days, for the next month, he would master every single level and memorize every single facet of the game to where no matter who he was playing online with, he would dominate. He was the eighth best player in the world. Jacob um, was a homeschooler. He got to do whatever he wanted with his day. All he did is spend time on Call of Duty because he was absolutely enslaved to the idea of playing this game. And so as he played it, the more and deeper he got into this, this um, game, guess what started to happen? So academics, like, went out the window. He didn't pay attention to any school. He didn't care. Call of Duty was more important. Relationships, like actually having a conversation with a human being, that was gone because all he did is sit in front of a TV and play a video game. So he had no money because he didn't have a real job. Like, I guess he probably could have figured out ways with the number eight player in the world to make some money off that, but he hadn't sorted that out yet. So he was losing his education. He was losing uh, his friendships and relationships. He was losing money. He lost his relationship with his parents. Everything was nosediving in Jacob's life because he was mastered by the idea that he had to perfect the game of Call of Duty. And he got to do it, by the way, whenever he wanted. Whatever he wanted, he would play this video game. But the end result was 
he was not free. The end result for Jacob was he was not enjoying the fruit of his effort. He was a slave to the process of playing this game, and that's all he could do is over and over and over again just throw his life back into this game. Guess, guess how this happened? He was, he was playing the game online, listening to, uh, you know, he's got his, his buddies where he's, he's talking to somewhere else online or whatever, and one of his buddies said, hey, I know this sounds weird, but this preacher, like, talked about God, and he said these things that really made a lot of sense to me, and I want you to hear it. So while we're gaming, would you listen to this, <laughs> this preacher talk? And he's like, nah, all right. So he started listening to him, and after he heard one, he wanted to hear another and another and another, and he started to hear the theme that we're talking about tonight resonate from the word of God through this man, this messenger. And the message was this. You don't have to be enslaved to things in this world You don't have to, they don't have to be your master. You can have a greater, a better, a more perfect master, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jacob learned, while he's sitting there playing video games, he learned that freedom is found through life in Jesus Christ. He learned what Romans 6 says. It says this, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. You don't have to have sin and these pursuits pulling you away from God, pulling away from your education, away from relationships, away from making a living, away from your parents. You don't have to have all that master you. Something else can, and it is Jesus Christ. The whole Bible, if you you would ask me to summarize the whole Bible in just one simple, quick statement, here's what I would say to you. The Bible is about this. God is offering a relationship to you. God is revealing himself and then offering a relationship to you. Here's who I am, and here's how you get to know me. That's what the whole Bible is about. And I believe that as the Bible teaches us about God, it shows us the one and only path to real freedom. Jesus, when he came, God's son, he said it this way. When he described the freedom that we could have, he said it this way. He said in John 10.10, he said, the thief, which he was talking about Satan, the enemy, enemy of mankind. The thief, Satan, wants to steal from you, wants to kill you, wants to destroy you. He wants to take your life, and he wants to bury you as quickly as possible. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, but I, I have come to give you abundant, full, satisfying life. Jesus gave that contrast to say, this is my message. This is what I came to, you, to do. The word of God is to tell you that God has offered you a better way, a better way to live your life. Now, um, <clears throat> I want to just take, if you would stick with me for about three minutes, I want to just take an idea of sin, because I've, I've thrown that word out a couple times and said sin tends to be something that we become captive to. We get enslaved to. We pursue things that are apart from God and they capture us and we, can't, we feel like we can't get out of them. But what is, what is sin? What, what is this in the first place, okay? So here's a simple little idea of what that is. And maybe you have a thought. Okay, help me out, help me out, good. What do you got? What's the thought for what sin is? Okay, so anything you think, do, and say that's not pleasing to or it's against God. That's pretty helpful. Sin is this. Sin is when you do something God says you should not do or you don't do something that God says you should do. Sin is doing something God says don't do or not doing something God says to do. 
So like, let's get an example here. Does anybody know in Exodus chapter 20, God lists the Ten Commandments? Can anybody, can anybody just throw out there one of the Ten Commandments? Can you think of one of them? Tell me one. You shall not lie. Does anybody remember which one that is? What number is that? Number nine, that's right. So here, I got little brain clues to help me remember the Ten Commandments. So if you're going to lie, you, before you lie, you should cover your mouth, right? So that's one way to remember you should not lie. What is a, another commandment? Can you think of one? What else you got? You're Michaela? Michaela, okay. What else you got? No other gods before you. So that's number two. So I remember that. You, you know the weird way I remember number two when there's no other gods before you? Because did y'all ever used to watch VeggieTales? Yeah, so in VeggieTales, there was an idol, and it was a bunny. And so number two is don't bow down to the bunny, right? So no other gods before me. That's the, that's the bunny from uh, VeggieTales. It helps me remember. What's the, what you got? Uh, Commit adultery. Okay, does anybody know what number that is? Close, close. Seven. Keep going. Seven. All right, so here's, here's a brain clue for remembering the seventh commandment. Don't commit adultery, right? Because seven people were at a party, and these people went and hung out. <laughs> okay, so that's how you remember. Shall not commit adultery. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. Shouldn't have done that. Should have stayed at the party. Should have hung out together. Would have worked out better. What else do you remember? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's the great commandment Jesus talked about. That's actually not one of the ten, but when Jesus said the great commandment, that's actually the sense of all the commandments. So, really well thought of. Very good. Very good. You are Rachel. No, no, no. Uh, Ashley. Ashlyn? Help me out. Alicia. Shoot. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, shall not murder. Does anybody remember what number that is? That's right, because when you got number six and turn this one into a gun, you can't be, shooting, you can't be murdering anybody, okay? So that's, that's against God's commands. What else you got? Do you remember? Don't covet. Don't covet. That's desiring something that God has not given you. That's number 10. So don't want something that God has not given you. Can you remember others? Right here. Honor your father and mother. That's number five. You know why? Because if you don't honor your father and mother, then, yeah, something like that. That can help you remember that one. All right, so, okay, you got one more for me? You're Jake, Jacob? Okay, remember the Sabbath. Remember to worship. That's number three. Yes. And uh, Wyatt, what else you got? What is it? Don't lust. Okay, so that's incorporated in, um, in coveting. Don't desire something that God has not given you. But that's not one of the ten specifically, although it is a greater command than the ten. Very helpful. Very helpful. You got one back there? Shall not steal. Yes, that's number eight, right? So you got this right here, and you can't be stealing people's stuff. Okay, very good. So here's, here's what you see in those commands. You see two different kind of things. I got one more. Let's hear it. Oh, don't take God's name in vain. Yes, so that's number three. Four is, remember, four is remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy, like a scout's honor. Remember your Sabbath to keep it holy. Three is don't take God's name in vain. I'd rather, I'd rather like shut my mouth up. Before I take God's name in vain. So, good. Nice job. So, if sin is this, sin is doing what God commands us not to do or not doing something God commands us to do, in the, in the Ten Commandments, you can see both examples. When the Eighth Commandment says don't steal, that's something we should not do. When um, the Fifth Commandment says honor your father and mother, that is something that we should do. So, if you don't honor your father and mother, you're breaking the commands. If you do steal, you're breaking the commands. These are ideas of what it means to sin. Here's a couple, two quick, simple phrases to help us understand sin even clearer. Sin is loving something 
more than you love God. Sin is loving something more than you love God. Is there anything, and you don't have to answer this, this is again just for your thoughts, is there anything in your mind that captures your affections, your passions, and your desires, and you say, it is more valuable to me, it is more precious to me, it is more desirable to me than who God is? If there is, that is something you are worshiping in a sinful way above God. One great, great pastor, John Piper, if you've ever heard of him or read of him, he said this, sin is what happens when you're not satisfied with God. So when you decide, you know what, God, who you are, what you've done, and what you're providing in my life, it ain't good enough, and it ain't going to satisfy me. That's what sin is when you decide, when you decide everything that God is and, and is for you is less than what you desire. God, you're not enough. Sin is what you do when you're not satisfied with God. But here's the second thought, okay? The second thought is this. Freedom If you want to find freedom, genuine, true freedom, freedom is found in rejecting the slavery of sin. Freedom is found in rejecting the slavery of sin because sin wants to take you as a hostage. Sin wants to keep you as prisoner. And freedom is found when you reject the slavery that sin is demanding upon your life. That's what Romans 6, verses 13 to 14 says. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it have control over you. Now, here's the trouble, okay? Here's the trouble why I hear the Bible's words. I want to believe it's true that I shouldn't let sin be my master, but here's why it's so hard, okay? And I'm just being honest. Because sin's fun. Right? Like, You don't have to answer, and I definitely don't want you to embarrass yourself or or try to be be a fool right now, but have you ever done something that you believe is against what God has commanded and you actually enjoyed it? Me too! Because sin has has a moment and a period of satisfaction that can be very, very fun. You know why that is? Because most of the things that, that are sins in this world... They're not just things that God says never participate in. They're they're perverting the way that God designed them to happen. So God said, if if you'll go about this in the best way, in the right way, you'll enjoy this the best. If you will protect the second most precious gift God ever gave you, and that is the purity of your body. The first most precious gift he ever gave you was a relationship with him through his son. And the second most precious gift he ever gave you, young man or young woman, is the purity of your body. And if you would guard and protect that and give that as a gift to your husband or wife one day, then you would be so glad. And if you have struggled in that area even now, if you would say, God, I wanna, I wanna start fresh with you and I wanna protect and, and preserve what you have given me as such a precious gift because one day I wanna give it to my spouse, I can tell you what, man, that will be the freedom you will enjoy. When God tells you to not do certain things or to do certain things, he's not holding out on you, friend. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to give you the best and most precious and most valuable scenario that you can experience in this world. He's trying to let you function like you were designed to be. There was a crazy, crazy circumstance that happened before you and I were ever born. It was in August chapter, uh, August 23rd, 1973. August chapter 23, almost said. August 23rd, 1973. This was in... Stockholm, Sweden. Okay, have you ever heard of Stockholm, Sweden? 
There was two bank robbers. They were convicted um, uh, felons. They had gotten out of prison, and they took semi-automatic machine guns. They broke into this um, bank. Actually, they didn't break in. They just walked into this bank, and they took four people hostage um, during their time. They, they had semi-automatic machine guns. They had quite a bit of weapons, and they let everybody else from the bank go except these four people. Some of them were the workers, and um, they took these people. They put them way back in this vault to where, like, nobody could get to them. And it was a hostage negotiation situation. So where the cops were outside, they surrounded the bank. There was no way these guys were getting out. I mean, they were stuck in there. But the commodity that they had to keep them safe and to buy time was they had four human beings in there who they could take their life at any point. And so they kept communicating with the police and saying, do not come in here. And if you don't give us our demands, we are going to hurt these people seriously one by one and maybe even take their lives. And in fact... <clears throat> At one point, they got so serious about it that they said, listen, we can't, we can't, we, the cops can't think that we're just messing around, so we have to shoot one of them. They did not shoot them to kill them, but they shot one of them, but they said, listen, we'll shoot you in such a way that we, we mean business with the police, but we actually don't harm you. So they shot him through the leg, not through the bone, but through the side of the muscle in the leg to prove that they were being serious with their, with their, with their bank robbing. So as it goes, the... Um, these hostages were in this prison in Stockholm, Sweden for five days. Five days, almost 125 hours, they were locked up. And eventually, the, the police used tear gas, and they came in there, and they busted in. It was a great big uh, ordeal. They uh, subdued the two men. They saved the four hostages. Nobody was harmed. Everybody got, got out. But the strange and interesting thing happened afterwards because they sat down with these four prisoners and they started talking to them about their experience underneath the care of these, um, of, these, of these men. And they said, all right, now, all you have to do is just tell us the details and testify against these men, and these guys are going to prison for the rest of their life. That's all you got to do. And all four of them refused and said, we will not. We will not go against these guys. And they were like, why? And the, the hostages became hostile towards the police as opposed to towards their captors. They actually, over the five-day period, ended up in a weird, kind of strange and perverted way, bonding with their captors. And they came to like them, and they became sensitive towards them and compassionate towards them, and they felt bad for them, and they didn't want them to suffer any harm, so they would not testify, and they became hostile towards the police. And it was a very strange and difficult ordeal. And as they interviewed them and they did psychological evaluations on these hostages, they decided this is a phenomenon, and to this day, if you've ever heard of this, it's called the Stockholm Syndrome. And the idea of it is this, is that someone who is, is um, uh, treated in a certain way by their captors, by someone who keeps them in, in bondage, ends up becoming affectionate towards, towards the person who treated them in such a way. It happens actually a lot. It's a, it's a psychological phenomenon that's really a crazy reality. This, I believe, is what happens to you and me when we participate in sin. It tells us lies. It woos us in and draws us in and then tells us lies that we begin to believe. We begin to believe that the satisfaction of those little bits and moments that sin offers us is actually a lifetime worth of fulfillment. But it never is. It's always a lie and it never comes through with what it promises you and I. 
We experience spiritual Stockholm syndrome because we get connected to certain things that we know are against God's truth, but we have a little desire in it, and we think, you know what, this isn't ever going to cost me anything. I like this, but here's the reality. It always has a payday, my friend. When you go against God's commands, there is always a payday. There is always, there is always a cost. And the question is, have you thought about and are you ready to pay the cost of what that sin will indeed one day cost? Well, here's the last thought, and it's just a really quick one to end with. Freedom is found in submitting every part of yourself to Jesus Christ. This is what I believe, and we're going to continue to explore this this week. But here's all I want to say to you as we finish tonight. If you are chasing things in your life that you have found a little moment time of pleasure, and man, it was good, and it tasted real nice, and you enjoyed it for a little, little bit, but it just didn't last. You woke up the next day, and you're like, I just feel this gross feeling like this, like I was made for something better. It's probably because you are made for something better. It's because God has designed you to desire and enjoy something so much better than this. If you want true freedom, you will find it in a new master, not in the old master of sin that steals from you and kills you and destroys you, like Jesus said, but you'll find it in the new master of Jesus himself who gives you and offers you life, life more abundant. There is freedom for you, my friend, but it is not automatic. Do you desire it? This is what we'll continue to talk about over the next few nights. Thanks for sticking with me tonight. Let's, uh, let's bow in prayer as we finish up our time, okay? God bless you, friends. Father, thank you for the time in your word. Thank you for these young men and women. And thank you for the freedom that you offer us through the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. He is a great gift to us. And we praise you for him. Lord, help us not to be permanently bound by sin. But Lord, help us to be... Um, have a new master in Jesus Christ and the joy of our lives would be, would be known through serving and following him, Lord. I believe that you offer that kind of freedom to us and I thank you, Lord, that we can consider it tonight through your word. Thank you for this time in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, guys. God bless. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.